This is Dr. Stan May, and you're listening to Drawing from the Well, a weekly podcast by Chronological Bible Teaching Ministries. This is Jonathan Doolin here once again with Dr. Stan May, exploring some of the discovery questions from Tyndale's one-year chronological study Bible. This week, we finish out the conquest era um, with the death of Joshua, and we begin the judges era. The first question we'll consider is from March 26th. When Caleb requests his land, on what does he base his request? And where else in the story have God's people experienced for themselves the fulfillment of the promises made beforehand? Caleb's story is so encouraging. Caleb was one of the two against the ten spies and against the whole nation who stood for God and said, we can take the land. God has made promises. So God in turn honored Caleb and said he fully followed the Lord. That statement is made of Caleb Five times, Jonathan. What an incredible statement. I I hope that someone, I would love that the Lord or someone would say about me, I wholly follow the Lord. What an incredible statement. Caleb did that, and because of that, Moses promised him that he would get the land his feet trod upon. So when he went into the land, he went to Joshua and boldly asked for the land. And when Joshua asked him what he wanted, he said, I want that mountain. And he was willing to go and take it for God. But he based his request on a promise that was 50 years old, perhaps, by this time. So it's pretty pretty incredible. And if we look, we see he does that because he's watched God fulfill promise after promise. God made a promise that the Israelites, that, that Abraham's family would be brought out of Egypt. And when the Israelites groaned out to God and cried, God fulfilled that promise. God saw Moses' power in the deliverance of Israel through the ten plagues. And you remember that at first Moses was terrified of going, but God said, I will be with you. And by the end of that experience, Moses was so bold he could say, not a hoof will be left behind. He saw Joseph's promise that God had given him dreams, and 20 years went by those dreams weren't fulfilled. But eventually they were. And then Israel came back and inherited the land that God had promised to his grandfather, uh, Abraham. And finally, the last little story that always encourages us is Joseph takes his bone when he dies, and he says, take my bones back to Canaan. And what the Bible tells us when they go out, they take the bones of Joseph. So Caleb had a history of seeing God fulfill promises, and it was easy for him to believe that God would fulfill his promise. Amen. Next, how, how does the division of the land with specific boundaries guard against jealousy? And how did the tribe's ancestors, the sons of Jacob, illustrate the dangers of jealousy? In a day when people argue that we shouldn't have borders or boundaries, it is clear that God intended that people have them. God gave Israel specific boundaries for their land and said, you can't have this land, it belongs to Edom. You can't have this land, it belongs to the Moabites. And they're, because they're descendants, you can't take their land. God established clear boundaries for the nation, but then to ensure that each of the tribes would be content with what they had, he carved out specific portions and he actually allowed them to draw their own boundary lines. As they walked through, God established boundary lines for each of them, and this was intentional so that every tribe had land and 
it seems that God even assigned some, that some who were farmers got better farmland, some who were shepherds got better grazing land. Uh, Israel, um, um, Jerusalem was, God knew that Jerusalem was going to be the capital, and so Judah got the land around Jerusalem in order to ensure that no tribe was uh, left out and that and only the Levites, but there, of course, we understand that there would never have an inheritance because God intended to situate them among his people so that they would um, teach the people the word of God. Now, the reason the jealousy was mattered is because they all remembered the story of Joseph. They remembered uh, Joseph's brothers becoming so jealous of him that they were willing to sell him into slavery and to mitigate that fact, the same 12 tribes each get their own share of land, and it's plenty for everyone. Amen. Next, why does Joshua receive his inheritance last, and how long has he waited for this land, and what does this say about Joshua as a leader? Somebody said leaders eat last. Hmm. Leaders are servants. They know themselves to be servants, and so Joshua is willing to say when they finish dividing it to everybody else, then he can come and say, this is the land I would like. And all the people accept this and recognize it, that he, is des- he deserves it. He's waited perhaps 10 years. He's waited longer than Caleb, his partner. And he and Caleb were the only two promised an inheritance from the first generation that came out of Egypt. So he's waited. He knows he won't get to live long in it, but it will be for him and for his family. To me, Joshua epitomizes good leadership in almost every way. He serves the people well. He follows the Lord faithfully. He obeys the commands of Moses. He leads in battle without fear. He learns to pray more effectively. He willingly sets himself up to serve others, and and he's willing to be last, willing to take his inheritance last to ensure that everybody else has theirs first. Hmm. Amen. Um, Joshua's final address has become, parts of it have become so famous. People, people know it so well, um, the, uh, apart from uh, Joshua 24 there at the end of the book. What themes does he express in it, and how does he call Israel to action? Well, he reminds Israel that though he is old, that he has been privileged to see God's work. He reminds them where they came from. Your father Abraham was a wandering Aramean. He was a, an idol worshiper that God saved and brought out of an idolatrous lifestyle. He calls them to be strong and courageous, that they're going to have to fight for the land, that they're going to have to renew the covenant, that they're going to have to take seriously uh, the call of God Then, of course, the famous challenge that he makes, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But it's really prefaced on the idea where he says, he says, you will be tempted to follow the gods your fathers followed in the old lands, perhaps in Egypt or even among the Amorites of old, or the gods of the Canaanites. And Israel has to make a regular choice to follow the Lord. When they say we will, he says you can't. It's that serious. You can't, this is not a flippant statement. Oh, yes, we'll follow the Lord. Joshua says, You cannot serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. You can't treat him lightly. You must take him seriously. Now, we know that it was effective. 
Because the Bible said that as long as he lived, all the people followed the Lord. Even the leaders that outlived Joshua in his generation, all the people followed the Lord. Joshua's challenge was effective. Now, for me and for you, that means that daily we have to make that same fresh decision. Today, am I going to follow the Lord? I became a Christ follower at 19 when I bowed the knee and confessed Jesus as Lord. But today... I had to make a fresh choice. Lord, I want you to rule and reign, have your way in my life. I think believers daily have to submit to God, ask for the the fresh filling of God's Spirit, a fresh direction from the Lord, and open God's Word and let it speak. I need to hear from God today, the only day that He promises that He speaks, according to Hebrews and Psalms, today, if you'll hear His voice. It reminds me of Paul where he says, I die daily. Um, we have to choose each day to die to self because the things that I'm going to want naturally in the flesh are always going to be against the things that the Spirit of God would lead me to do. Amen. Every time. Amen. Yeah. Next, which tribe does God choose to lead the attack against the Canaanites? And why is this tribe often given priority in the story? When Judah prevailed in Genesis 45, when he or 44, when he chose to say to Joseph, whom he did not know, let my brother Benjamin go back, and I'll stay as a servant. God exalted Judah on that day. Reuben had lost his right of leadership. Levi and Simeon, Judah's older brothers, had, uh, Simeon had, had forfeited their right by their self-will, he says, uh, Judah, uh, Jacob says. But Judah regained status That had been lost when he rebelled, when he served his people. And when Jacob blessed the 12 tribes, he pointed out that the the scepter would not depart from Judah and that Judah's brothers would bow down to him. So God is preparing Israel for leadership from the tribe of Judah. Othniel is the first leader. The rest of the book of Judges, it appears nobody comes from Judah, And that may be part of the deterioration that we experience in the book of Judges because they fail to obey God and fail to raise up, uh, look to leaders from the tribe of Judah. But uh, Judah is given priority because of this promise that God has made. And perhaps you want to mention, as we'll get to it later, but perhaps you want to mention about what you saw about Ruth. Well, in in Ruth, it, you know there are some there are some stories in Ruth. Obviously, the Judges era is is Judges and Ruth. Right. Um, there are some lessons that we learn from the story of Ruth about loyalty, uh, about God, uh, his, his protection and His provision. But really, it seems a little out of place. Uh, we don't see how it fits into the story. It's it's difficult until you get to the end, and you see that Ruth, this Moabite widow is marrying into a Judahite family, and one of her descendants is David. And David, um, probably the two clearest pictures of Jesus that we have in the Old Testament are Moses and David. And something that I've found as I've studied um, Judges is it's this book that builds anticipation because when men do what's right in their own eyes, what's right in their own eyes is desperately wicked. But in Mm. those days, there's no king in Israel, and they're looking forward 
I'm sure even the, the human author of Judges thought they're looking forward to David, but we see in hindsight, they're looking forward to a better king yes. than David all the while. Absolutely. <laughs> Lastly, when Deborah recounts the story of God's victory over Sisera, which leaders does she remember in her songs? Well, she begins the song by going all the way back to the Lord's promise in Sinai. She remembers how Moses went up and received God's law. Moses was a prophet and a leader. She looks to him. Then, interestingly, she looks to Shamgar. Now, we only get a verse about Shamgar. We don't know a lot about him, but he's faithful to do what he is called to do with what he has where he is. And God uses Shamgar to be a blessing to many people. Then she honors Barak in her song, although she warned him, if you, if, you don't, if you want me to go with you in this battle, God's going to give victory to a woman. And so at the end of her song, she brings up Jael. Jael is the, the other half of the Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> you, you want a woman who will, who will make the bread and, and c- clothe the family and honor her husband, but also a woman who, when it needs to happen, she might take up a tent peg and drive it through the enemy's head. (laughs) And so Deborah ends her song by remembering this woman who is a true leader in Israel. Thanks for joining us. Listen in each week with CBT as we draw from the well of the Word to answer questions from the weekly reading of the One Year Chronological Study Bible. 